Well, good morning, everybody. My name's Pastor Justin. I'm the lead pastor here at New Life, and uh, we are in a series called The God I Never Knew, where we have been talking about the, uh, the person, uh, the gift of the Holy Spirit. And uh, amen. We've, you know, I, I called it this because I grew up not really knowing what to do with the Holy Spirit. Like I, I knew about the Trinity, you know, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, and I understood God the Father, the big guy, and then, then Jesus, his son, you know, death, burial, and resurrection made a way for me to, to be saved. And then there was like this Holy Spirit. I was like, I don't really know how to, how to deal with or how to interact. Do I pray to him? What, what do I pray to him for? What, what is this supposed to look like? And um, I'd highly recommend, if, if you missed any of our weeks, this is our fourth week, our fourth episode, um, to catch up on that. And so you can do that at nlc.today. We're now videoing our services. And um, so in week one, we talked about who is the Holy Spirit or the Holy Ghost, if you grew up maybe calling him that. Like, who is the Holy Spirit, the person of the Holy Spirit? Uh, week two, we talked about what does Pentecost mean? What does it mean to be Pentecostal? Like, what's this whole idea of this, the Feast of Pentecost and the Holy Spirit coming? Why is that significant? And then week three, last week, we talked about uh, what, are the, what are these charismatic gifts all about? What's the purpose of these? These kind of like other gifts and, 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 and how are they supposed to operate in the life of a believer? And so this week, we're talking about the baptism in the Holy Spirit. Now, for some of you, uh, you're excited, like you're like, Mm, yes, finally, I've been waiting for week four. Like, I've been waiting for this. This is, you know, this is significant and important. And for, the, for others of you, you're like, whew, oh, okay. <laughs> uh, a little scared, a little kind of like, I don't, I don't really know. I, I've heard people talk about the baptism of the Holy Spirit, and, uh, and I'm not really sure if I want that or if I need that. Uh, and you maybe are kind of like pushing back a little bit. And um, in, in Acts chapter 1, verse 4, we'll read this first verse. It says this, on one occasion, while he was eating with them, Jesus, he, he gave them this command, and this is what he said to his disciples, uh, do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you've heard me speak about. For John baptized in water, but in a few days you will be baptized in the Holy Spirit. And isn't it interesting that this gift that Jesus was so excited to give us has been causing so much confusion and division in the church all these years. Um, some have gone so far as to say, I don't want to talk about the Holy Spirit. I don't want to, you know, I, I don't even, I don't even want to talk about this, this gift of the Holy Spirit, whatever this is. And I, and I think about this. If, if I were Satan um, and there was an empowerment that was available to all Christians to the degree at which we read in Scripture, I'd be doing the same thing. And wouldn't you? I mean, I can't really blame them. I, I'd be bringing confusion and fear and division and um, perverting it and twisting what God means for good and making it into a self-centered spectacle. Like, I'd be doing all that. That's a really good idea. Actually, he's, he's owning this thing pretty well. And I wouldn't really blame him for it. And so I've been asking you over these past now four weeks if you'd be willing to just lay aside your fears or your misconceptions and say, okay, God, I'm willing to trust your word. I don't know if I trust Pastor Justin or if I trust, you know, other people that have, have talked to me about, you know, this, this Holy Spirit, the baptism of the Holy Spirit, but, but I trust in you and I trust your word. And so I'm willing to say, God, if you want to change my mind on something regarding this gift that you were so excited to give us, then, then I want you to do it in, in, in my life. And I, I mean to tell you that the baptism in the Holy Spirit is biblical. And we're going to talk about that today. We, we're going to talk about that it's not spooky. <laughs> it's not it's not something strange. It, it's part of the normal Christian life that God intended for us to live. And uh, there's a scripture that I want to start out with that honestly convinces me about the importance of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And uh, we find it in Acts chapter 19. So if you've got your Bible or your version on your phone, or if you don't have a Bible or a phone, we've got it right up here on the screens. And if you would, we do this every week. It's really important to me that we honor the reading of God's word. If you'd be willing to stand with me as we read God's word, um, I'm going to have a lot of things to say, but how many of you know that God's word should trump anything? 
any, any winsome word that I have. So Acts chapter 19, we're going to start in verse 1, and we're going to read through verse 7. It says, while Apollos was at Corinth, Paul took the road through the interior and arrived at Ephesus. There he found some disciples, and he asked them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? Just pause there for a second. I want you to notice, note something here to get full context. This scripture, Acts chapter 19, is a scripture that happened 25 years after Pentecost. This isn't like, oh, Pentecost happened last week. Oh, you didn't hear? Yeah, it was like 120 of us. It was awesome. Like the whole place shook. We had little, you know, Bic lighters on top of our It was amazing. Like, it, you didn't hear about this yet? Or maybe it happened six months ago? No, no, this was 25 years later. That's significant. 25 years. They answered, no, we haven't even heard about the Holy Spirit. Now, these people are believers. They're, the Bible calls them disciples. You read that in verse 1. These are believers. These people, you know, you, you better believe you, you'd be seeing them in heaven. They're followers of Jesus Christ. And they answered, well, we haven't even heard about this Holy Spirit. And so Paul asked, well, then what baptism did you receive? Like, what are you talking about? Well, when, which baptism did you receive? They said, John's baptism. Well, Paul said, well, John's baptism was a baptism of repentance. And he, he told the people to believe in the one that was coming after him. That is Jesus. The fulfillment of, of John's baptism is Jesus. On hearing this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. So Paul baptizes them again in the name of Jesus. When Paul placed his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them, and they spoke in tongues and prophesied, and there were about 12 men in all. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, I, I thank you that, that there is more for us, uh, always more for us, that you're wanting to, to fill us and to be um, overflowing and to be continually being filled with your Holy Spirit. So God, um, I pray that today would be a day where we would be able to just say, God, if you, I want the more of you, whatever that looks like, I'm open and willing and wanting it. I desperately need power in my life to do what you've called me to do and to be who you've called me to be. So Jesus, I thank you for the gift of the Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You can be seated. Thanks. So Paul's making it really clear in this scripture that like 25 years after Pentecost, that, that you can be a follower of Jesus Christ, which these people were, they were disciples. You can be saved, and, and yet there's still more that God has for you. Isn't that awesome? There's still more that he has for you. And I want to show you today that there are three baptisms in Scripture that, that are talked about for believers. Three baptisms. Now you may be like, wait a minute, I thought there was only one baptism. I'm I'm not saying that we're going to be filling up tanks and you've got to come and get dunked two more times. That's not what I'm saying. It's not what I'm saying. And here's, here's what I would say. It's important for us to understand the meaning of the word baptism. The, the, the word baptism, whenever you see it in the New Testament, in the Greek, is this word baptizo. And it simply means to be immersed or to be submerged. Now, sometimes, as in water baptism, it is being submerged or immersed in water. But we find in these other baptisms that it's, it's, it's just this essence, this sense of being submerged, being immersed in Jesus or being immersed in the Holy Spirit, that, that, that God is wanting us not to just be like a little devil, do you, we'll sprinkle you, hopefully you'll have enough. He's like, I want you to be filled and to be continually being filled. I want you to be immersed and submerged in this thing. I want all that it has to give you is, is in you, around you, surround you, above you, behind you, beneath you, below you. It is, uh, you're immersed in this thing. So when we talk about baptism, I just want you to just kind of take that first and foremost out of your head that we're not talking about water. To being baptized is just simply means to be immersed. Okay? Does that make sense? All right, we'll keep moving. The first one is this, the baptism into Christ. Baptism into Christ. When you come to believe in Jesus, which many of you have, like if you've come to the, to the like faith in Christ, you know, you, you maybe said the sinner's prayer or you just kind of came to this place where you just surrendered your life, your heart, your will, your future, your past, your present to Jesus, you, you were baptized into Jesus by the Holy Spirit. You were baptized into Jesus by the Holy Spirit. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 13 says this, we were all baptized by one spirit. 
so as to form one body, whether Jew or Gentile, slave or free, we're all given the one spirit to drink. So when you get saved, you are immersed in Jesus. Catch this. When, when you come to this, this reality and this, this, this belief in, in, in Christ, you're submerged in him. In other words, in other scriptures, it says that you're born again. And another way of saying it is that you're born of the Spirit, that the Holy Spirit baptizes you into Jesus. So when you hear people say, maybe, and, and I, I've heard a lot of people over the years, especially in, in other circles that say like, well, you don't actually have the Holy Spirit unless you have been baptized in the Holy Spirit. I just want to say, you're not fully reading your Bible because the Bible says that you can't even be saved unless by the work of the Holy Spirit. You realize that? You can't even be, be born again unless you're born of the Spirit. The Spirit draws you to Jesus. Maybe you get in here today and you're like, man, I, I just don't even know why I'm here. Like I just came to church my first week or I, the car just kind of drove me in here. I just want you to understand this like, like the, it's, the, it's the Holy Spirit of God that is drawing you to Jesus. And then he immerses you in everything that Jesus Christ did for you. You catch this? And he deposited in you the very presence of the Holy Spirit. So it is the Holy Spirit that draws you. It's the Holy Spirit that baptizes you into Jesus, that, that, that submerses you and, 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 and immerses you. Not just into Jesus, but also into the body of believers. Into the body of Christ. This is why here in New Life we talk about that we're so passionate about being and becoming a church-like family. Because when you were saved, you weren't just saved and being, you know, immersed in Jesus. You, you've become immersed in part of a family. In other words, if you're in Christ, you're already brothers and sisters in Christ. So we might as well start acting like it, right? So it's so important for us that we would be being and becoming a church-like family. You are a family if you are in Christ. Galatians 3 verse 26 says, So in Christ you are all children of God through faith, for all of you were baptized into Christ. All, catch that. You are all baptized into Christ and have clothed yourself with Christ. Good news. You're a new creation. You are now a child of God. You are adopted into the family of God. He puts the lonely into families. Not just because, well, you, you, you know, I wanted to be a part of a, of a local church. I want you to understand, when you were baptized into Christ, you were baptized into the family of God. This is the baptism that you all really need. It's really the baptism that makes a way where there was no way. The, this is the baptism that saves us. This is the baptism that is called being born again, that we are immersed in Jesus Christ. Amen? The second baptism, this is the one you may be more familiar with. This is the baptism into water. Baptism into water. Matthew 28, 19 says this, Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. This is the baptism that for many of you, you made that decision to, to get dunked into a, a tank of water. Maybe that's here at New Life, maybe as a kid, as a kid, whatever that looks like. You made this decision. The first baptism, the baptism of into Jesus was done by the power of the Holy Spirit. But the baptism into water is done by disciples, by followers of Jesus. That's why he says in Matthew, in Matthew 28, he says, I want you to be baptizing people in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Be baptizing them. It's done by believers. And whenever we see this baptism of water throughout Scripture, it always happens after salvation. Always after salvation. It's never like we're going to do this as some sort of provenient work to kind of get this taken care of and then hopefully you'll follow Jesus. It is always you choosing to follow Jesus, being baptized into Christ and then making a conscious decision because of this baptism into Christ. Because I am identified now in Christ, I am now choosing to be baptized into water. This is a pretty significant one. Once you've been baptized into Christ, the first act of obedience is to get baptized into water. This is like a public declaration that, that Jesus has, has changed your life. And, and receiving Jesus as, as your Lord and as your Savior is a personal decision, but it was never meant to be private. People, I, I, you know, well, you know, you know my relationship with God is, is a personal, I completely agree it's a personal thing, but it was never meant to be private. It wasn't. It's kind of the reason why 
you have witnesses when you get married at your wedding. <laughs> like, you got to have a witness. Like, even if you just decide, I'm going to get married at the, uh, the town hall, you got, you got to have witnesses to be able to sign that piece of paper to say, yep, I saw it happen. Why? Because your spouse isn't something that you should hide. <laughs> right? It doesn't go over well for the longevity of your marriage. When I got married to Katie, I wasn't like, hey, sweetie, we're going to just do this like on the side. We're just going to mail it in. I'm not going to wear this ring, and I'm probably not going to talk to you in public. So if you could just kind of like just look pretty, but keep it like distance away so that nobody associates me with you, that would be awesome, right? It doesn't go over well. No, when you get married, you want everyone to know. Like you want to know like, hey, I just want everyone to know. I'm off the market, ladies. (laughs) This dreamboat has sailed. Okay? Like, so sorry, not sorry, I'm taken, I'm off the market, and, and I've given my heart to this one woman. Like, that's what we want. We want people to know, like, this is, this happens. And, and, and in baptism, essentially what we're saying is, I love Jesus. I didn't just want to date him anymore. I've married to him. I want everyone to know. I want the world to know. I am saved. I am forgiven. I am a new creation in him. Devil, if you want to fight me, you got to fight him first. And I just want you to know that as I'm going into the waters of baptism, I'm a new person. So it always happens after you've been immersed into Christ. After that, you make this decision, okay, I'm going to walk walk this thing out and I'm going to be immersed into Jesus. And before friends and family in heaven and hell, I've placed my faith in him. That's it. That's it. That's what baptism is, in water. The third baptism is the baptism into the Holy Spirit. Now, for some reason, this is the one that has caused so much confusion and division in the church. It's not because it's not in the Bible. Um, and, 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 and what I would say this is because, let, let's just remember something here. Um, the definition of the word baptism is not water. It is to be immersed. So essentially, the baptism into the Holy Spirit is to be immersed into the Holy Spirit. Most of us are okay with being immersed into Jesus. Why? It's the way to be saved. He is the way, the truth, the life. I need to come come under him to be identified in Christ so that I can be forgiven, saved. Look, it is my ticket to heaven. I I need to be identified, make him my Lord and my Savior. And many of us have made the decision, okay, I'm willing to also, because of that, get baptized into water. But for some reason, there's a stigma around this third baptism of being immersed into the Holy Spirit. And it's weird because it's been prophesied about in the Old Testament, even before, when Jesus was coming on the scene, John the Baptist, a Baptist, said this, okay? (laughs) That's a joke. Mark chapter 1, verse 8, this is what John the Baptist said. He says, I baptize you with water, but he, meaning Jesus, will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. Now, this is really cool. Like, if you think, think this through with me. When, when you're baptized into Christ, you first come to the, to the, you know, faith in Christ, it's the Spirit who does the baptizing. He draws you to Jesus. He baptizes you into, the, into, into Jesus. But when you're baptized in the Holy Spirit, it is Jesus who does the baptizing. Catch that? what John said. He says, he will baptize you into the Holy Spirit. Isn't that cool? So so just as you're completely immersed into this new identity in Christ, it's the same thing that Jesus wants you to be completely immersed or filled with the Holy Spirit. So this is what I would say to you if you've kind of had some weird packaging around this this whole experience, this whole idea. If you trust Jesus then you should have no fear of the baptism that he's going to be baptizing you in. You should have no fear of that if you trust him. Acts chapter 1 verse 8 says this, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and in Samaria and to the ends of the earth. So, I love what he's talking about, this baptism of the Holy Spirit. Essentially, if we're going to define it in very simple layman's terms, it would be this. The baptism into the Holy Spirit is a supernatural empowerment 
to do what Jesus called you to do and to be who Jesus called you to be. That's it. A supernatural empowerment to do what Jesus has called you to do and to be who Jesus has called you to be. You and I desperately need power in our life. Desperately. Like you need, you need power to be able to do the works that Jesus has called you to do. Amen? Last time I checked, you weren't able to perform miracles or healings or anything outside of the natural apart from the working of supernatural work of the Holy Spirit. We desperately need it. In John chapter 14, verse 12, this is what Jesus says. He says, very truly I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works I've been doing and will do even greater things than these because I'm going to the Father. And when he goes to the Father, he makes a way so that the Holy Spirit can come. But it's not just for us to be able to do power and miracles and all those things. I think the greatest miracle of the baptism in the Holy Spirit is that we have the power to walk in the very character of Christ. That's, that's the most beautiful thing about this, this immersion into the Holy Spirit. The Bible says that you are given the mind of Christ. In other words, that the things that, that he saw, the, the things that, that he would do, the works that he would do, the, the, the way that he saw people, the places that he would go, he was led completely by the Holy Spirit. And Jesus is saying, like, look, when the Holy Spirit comes on you, you're going to be doing the same things, even better things. I mean, that's like even better than Jesus? I don't even know what's better than Jesus. My mind is like, I have no idea what that even means. And that's what he's saying. He says, you're going to be doing greater things than, 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 than me. And so when you have the, the, the very character of Christ running through your life, then, then the power of Christ can be sustained. Let, let me explain what I mean here. I, I've watched far too many Christians um, allow their giftings to take them further than their character can sustain them. so focused on what gift they're operating in, what gift, they're, they're not, what, what gift I need to ask for, and not allowing the character of Christ to begin to work in and among them. And when we forget about the purpose of the power, that's when things get really weird. Like, uh, here's what I would say. The fruit of the Spirit is for you, and the gifts of the Spirit are for others. Think about this. Think this through with me. The fruit of the Spirit is for you. You need patience. Some of you need a lot more patience. You need peace. You need joy. You, 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 you know what I mean? Like, you need these things. You need faithfulness. Some of you need some self-control, right? We, we need these things in our life. The fruit of the Spirit are for you. You need kindness, some of y'all, right? But when it comes to the gifts of the Spirit, let's not forget it. The purpose of the gifts of the Spirit isn't for me. It is for others, we need the gifts of, of administration in this place and in the body of Christ. We need evangelism. We need the gift of, of intercession and hospitality. And we need the gift of leadership and teaching and prophecy and healing. And somebody, somebody, how many of you know you need the gift of faith and working of miracles in our midst? We desperately need the, the gift of wisdom. That's for other people. That is not for us to hoard unto ourselves. The only way they find their expression is when they are given out to other people. And when we get those two things mixed up, thinking the gifts are for me, well, that's when things get weird, real fast. And I would go so far as to say that the greatest evidence of being baptized in the Holy Spirit is not walking in a spiritual gift, it's walking in the power and the character of Jesus Christ. That's it. I mean, I'm not saying it doesn't operate in spiritual gifts, but I'm saying you better be walking in the character and in the power of Jesus Christ in your life. So I want to I show you th the three baptisms throughout the Bible. I want to just kind of outline these for you real quick. Um, the first, first time is we look at these three different baptisms, baptism into, into Jesus, baptism into water, and baptism into the Holy Spirit. Um, we see this. So the Israelites in the Old Testament, 400 years in slavery in Egypt, God sends a deliverer, Moses. If you've heard this story, I'm going to give you a brief outline. God sends Moses. Moses comes up to Pharaoh, and he says, let my people go, right? And Pharaoh's like, ah, ah, I got free deal here. You got a, bunch, got a bunch of free slaves. You're doing a bunch of my, my work for me, not giving you up, right? And so what happens? God sends a series of 10 plagues to Egypt. 
One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. The last one is a pretty big one. The last one is the slaying of the firstborn. That's not a good idea, right? It's, a, it's, a, it's the, the end of the road. Well, God doesn't, he wants to save, you know, he wants to save the Israelite children, so he gives the Israelites an instruction. He goes, this is what I want you to do. I want you to slay an innocent lamb and take the blood, and I want you to smear it on the outside of your door of your house. And when the angel of death goes by, if it sees the blood on your doorpost, you will be passed over and your children will be spared. This is a picture of Jesus, his death on the cross, that his blood applied to our life. He is the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. That when it doesn't matter what we've done in our past or where we're at right now, that we have been passed over by the angel of death. Why? Because we are under the blood of Jesus Christ. It's this, it's this form or function of, of this baptism into, into Christ, even in the Old Testament. So the Israelites get freed. They're like, ah, they're singing, they're dancing, they're going their way. And all of a sudden they, they get up to a huge body of water known as the Red Sea. Oh no, this isn't good. Especially because they realize that their enemies are chasing them down. They've decided that wasn't a good idea. We shouldn't let them go. Let's go get them. So their enemies are chasing them down and they're, they're, they're running after them. And, and Israel, they, the Israelites have a choice to make. Their choice is this. Either they can choose to trust God and walk through the waters or they can choose to stay and fight a battle that God already won. That's the choice. I'm going to trust God. He says that we're supposed to get our feet wet and to walk and somehow he's going to make a way where there seems to be no way. I don't even know how he's going to do it. Or we can turn around and try to fight the battle that he's already freed us from. And I've watched Christians that have maybe gotten saved and refused to get baptized. And they think, well, it's just kind of, isn't that really like an old school silly hazing ritual for Christians? I mean, I mean, really, is it really that necessary? Here's what I want to remind you of. We didn't make it up. God did. God did. And so you can stay and try and fight battles that God has already won. Or you can choose to trust him and say, I don't quite know what this is all about, but I'm trusting you just as I've trusted you with my eternal security. I am trusting you that something is happening in that water. I don't understand it. I don't claim to, but I, God, you, you, there's something for me. That's the second baptism, baptism into water. They choose to trust God and to get their feet wet and God parts the Red Sea. Now here's the cool thing that happens. They walk through on dry land, they get over to the other side, they turn around, what just happened? All of their enemies chased them into the waters and died there. Let me just tell you, your past chases you into the waters of baptism and dies there. Dies there. And I have a word, as I was writing this sermon this week, I just feel like I, this is a word for someone in here today. Don't let your past chase you into your future. What do I mean by that? I watch so many Christians running around, acting like they're thinking that they're running for God or running towards God, when really they're just trying to outrun their past. And what I would say to you is this, don't follow God just trying to outrun what's chasing you. Choose to walk in obedience to him, trusting that every step of the way he's got your back and your past is going to die in the waters. Not because you're turning around and you're gonna start throwing rocks at him and starting to get them, lick it. You just choose to walk in obedience to what it is that Christ has called you to, even if you don't understand it, realizing that he's done it before and he'll do it again. That he's got you. That he's got you, that he's got you, that he's got you. So it doesn't just stop there, right? If you know the story, what happens? They're led by something. Now, from that point on, on the other side of the Red Sea, they are led by a pillar of cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night. The Holy Spirit. Where are we going? We're going this way. Oh, we're going this way. They're following, they're following. It's, this, it's, it's being led by the Holy Spirit. Fire and cloud. Le being led by baptism. And the Holy Spirit. It's this kind of like we see this throughout the Old Testament. Here's another one for you. Um, let, me, let me give you, I'm going to skip one of them. That, all right, this one happens before the Holy Spirit fell in, in, in Pentecost, in Acts chapter 2. Uh, John chapter 20, verse 21, uh, Jesus is, is meeting with, with his believers and he says this, um, peace be with you 
as the Father has sent me, I'm sending you. And with that, he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. This is before Acts chapter 2 and Pentecost and the Holy Spirit falling. Just, it's, okay, he's received the Holy Spirit. And then watch this. Chronologically, later on, Jesus is talking to the same disciples that he had previously breathed on. And this is what he says in Acts chapter 1, verse 4. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. What's going on here? Because in John chapter 20, Jesus goes to these same group of guys and he just says, receive the Holy Spirit. Acts chapter 1, chronologically later, he's talking to the same group of guys and he's like, hey guys, so just uh, hold up. Don't leave Jerusalem. Why? Because, because I'm going to be sending the, the, the promise of the baptism of, uh, of the Holy Spirit. So, so, so don't leave this. What in the world is going on? How, how are they receiving the Holy Spirit clearly, literally in John chapter 20, and then also waiting still for it? What, what does that even look like? And, and I was thinking about this, like, maybe, maybe you don't think this, this hard. So sometimes I, I do these mental gymnastics in my head of things. Like, have you ever thought about this? Were the, were the disciples saved when they were walking around with Jesus? I mean, they're like hanging out with Jesus. Jesus is teaching them cool stuff. And like, he's like, you know, they're like, they're, they're, they're with Jesus. And, and Jesus is like performing miracles. And they, they even believe. I mean, they're, they're walking with Jesus. Of course you're going to believe that he is who he says that he is and all of those things. Were they, were they saved? Jesus hadn't done anything yet. I mean, he hadn't died and risen from the dead yet. Answer, they weren't. They weren't regenerated yet. We could tell from the way they acted, dude. They were just like a hot mess of guys. They were like, I don't understand. I don't get it. You know, they were just kind of like, what is wrong with guys? Grow up. And we look at these guys all the time. We expect them to be better Christians, don't we? When we read this, you're like, come on, dude. You're walking with Jesus. Buck up. And we read about them, and they're just like, oh, heal, oh, heal. And you're just like, dude, are you kidding me right now? I don't know about you, but I've always wondered that. Like, what, what was their position in Christ? The reality is they weren't saved. Jesus had not yet done that which made a way where there is no way. And so in John chapter 20, I want you to understand the setting of those verses when he breathed on them is when he shows up in a room after he rose from the dead. You could read it yourself. He shows up. He's like, hey, you guys, what the, what? And they're like, Jesus, Jesus? They start checking his, his hands and his side. I'm like, it's Jesus. Okay. If there was ever any doubt in their mind, they, upon seeing and witnessing and putting their hands in his side, and they were believers. I believe when he said, receive the Spirit, it was when the Holy Spirit was baptizing them into, into Christ. I think it was that moment they got saved. The moment that the Holy Spirit had drawn them, they knew about Jesus, and all of a sudden, as the Holy Spirit was, was baptizing them into Jesus, that moment of salvation, and here's the cool thing, and here's the weird thing, that wasn't all that God had for them. It wasn't just, all right, now you're saved, guys. Go and do your thing. God still had more for them. They were still waiting to be empowered by the baptism into the Holy Spirit. So then in Acts chapter 2, the Holy Spirit comes and it changes everything. These guys were just kind of these, you know, selfish, shy, confused followers of Jesus. And they turn into bold, courageous servants of Jesus when the Holy Spirit falls on them in, in the baptism into the Holy Spirit. And like for me, I'll tell you, you know, there's the, there's the three baptisms. For me, this is my experience. I grew up <clears throat> going to church. I didn't really know God. Um, I knew about him. I was scared of him. Didn't want to go to hell. And so I thought, if I just do enough good things, then hopefully I'll skid my way in there. And, um, and I finally came to a place where my, my youth leader had a relationship with Jesus, like a sick, weird relationship with Jesus. I thought at the time, I was like, you're, you're weirdo. You're, you're crazy. And I literally came to the point where after she was healed of cancer, I said, okay, whoa, if this is true, and I can really have this relationship with the creator of the universe that you have, then what do I got to do? 
I'm open. And she prayed with me. And in this moment, this, this, this one night in a little chapel off the, the, the vestry of the Catholic Church, I literally came to know Jesus and was baptized in the Holy Spirit all in one experience. I mean, I was speaking in tongues. I didn't even know what tongues were. I was literally like blank slate. Like, what in the world is happening to me? I have no, I have no clue. And here's the, here's the thing. So I was baptized into Christ that night, and I was also baptized in the Holy Spirit that night. Um, I didn't get baptized in water for about six years. How come? I don't want to. I mean, I had opportunity, but I was like, I'm good being dry. I'm okay. Here's the thing I would say. I wasn't a second-class Christian because I didn't have all three baptisms. You, you get baptized into Christ, I'll tell you what, God starts changing your life. I just want you to understand that there is more. And he doesn't look at us as second-class Christians or that there's some sort of a caste system within Christianity, but we do have a responsibility that when he brings something to us and convicts us of something, to walk in obedience to it. So I finally came to the point where six years in, I'm thinking, ah, I kind of probably forgot about me not getting baptized in water. I mean, it's not that big of a deal, is it? But the Lord just convicted me of it, and I decided I'm going to go do this in response, even six years late, to get baptized. That's my experience. And I just want to tell you that the baptism into the Holy Spirit is biblical, and it just makes sense. We see it throughout the Word of God. Acts chapter 2, verse 37 says, and I love this. This is the day of Pentecost. Peter preaches the best sermon he's ever preached. And uh, he says, when the people heard this, they were cut to the heart. And they said to Peter and the other apostles, brothers, what shall we do? In other words, maybe you're there today where you're like, what does this mean? Like, well, okay, if this is available to me, if maybe I've, I've pushed away from it or I've what, what, what am I supposed to do? In Acts chapter 2, verse 38, Peter replies and he says, repent and be baptized, every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. You will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise, catch this, I want everyone in here to understand this. This promise is for you and your children and for all who are afar off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. I want you to understand this. You think, well, you don't understand my past. You don't understand. I, I kind of came in here. I thought this was a Home Depot. Like, I'm not ready for that. I'm not, like, I, I, I'm not prepared for any of this. I just want you to understand, there's nobody too far gone that Jesus can't meet and chase down. Like, he continually finds people that don't deserve it and give him the gift of eternal life. The three baptisms, believe and repent, the baptism into Christ. Be baptized in water and you'll receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. So how do you receive it? Like what, if that's really where you're at, you're like, I just, what am I supposed to do? Here's what I, I'm going to leave you with three things. It's this. Just make room for him. You'd be like, well, I kind of thought about it before and I was like, I was kind of open to it before, but I just, I don't know, I never received anything. And so just make room for him. He's a gentleman. So invite him in. Say, God, I'm, I, 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 I need, if, if you think I need this, Jesus, then I ask that you would baptize me into the Holy Spirit. I trust you, Jesus. I trusted you with my life. I trusted you with my, with my eternity. And so, God, I trust you that you can baptize in me into something good for me. And the third thing is just receive him by faith. Just as you receive Jesus by faith and that he came in and changed your life, you receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit by faith. Just, just begin to walk in that as God starts to fill you to overflow. Why don't you stand with me? I want to ask you a question as we're, as we're closing up today. And the question's pretty simple. It's this. Do you want everything that God has for you? Man, I think that that's the, that's the question. Not, do you want to be baptized in Christ? Do you, want to, do, you, do you want everything that God has for you? 
And I think that the answer to that question is the open door for God to be able to give you gifts that he most desperately wants to give you. And maybe for some of you, you're kind of here today and you're like, well, I've, I, don't, I don't know if I've ever been baptized into Christ. Like I've been coming to church. I've even been coming to church for like six months. And, but I don't necessarily think that I've ever willingly, willfully given my heart and life to Jesus. Like I don't know if I've ever been baptized into Christ. I just want you to know that today, today could be your day. If you're at a place where you're like, you know what, I, I, don't, I don't think I have enough things wrong. I haven't quit smoking yet. <laughs> I, just, I just want you to understand that today could be your day, and it's not because you're good enough, smart enough, or enough people like you. It's because Christ loves you enough to do something before you. And it is only through applying that sacrifice to your life that we find true life. So I just want to encourage you, as we're, as we're just entering into some last song here, if, if maybe you're in a place right now, and you, you're at the place where I was in eighth grade, and I said, I don't really know if this is true. I don't know if it's real. But if it is, I want it. Like, I literally came to Jesus doubting the entire way. I just want you to, that, that was how I came to him. But God, if you're real, I want it. Why wouldn't I not want it? So if that's where you're at today, and you've never been baptized into Christ, I just want you, don't worry about who's beside you, who's around you. I just want you to simply just raise your hand, identify between you and the Lord. God, I feel like, I feel like, I feel you drawing me. And I don't know what this looks like, but I desperately want it. Just raise your hand. Okay. Why would you not, right? Just raise your hand. Just identify and say, yep, that's who I am. Here's what I want to do. I'm just going to pray simple prayer. It's kind of like the prayer that I prayed in eighth grade, but there's no magic to it because our heart is simply just saying, God, I want all that you have for me, and I don't know what it's going to look like, but I'm open to it. That's, that's the heart attitude. But then there's this reality of like belief and repenting of our sins. So maybe you just pray this. You can pray it out loud. You can pray it, uh, you can pray it just, just to the Lord between you and him. Lord Jesus, I know that I'm a sinner. And I know I don't deserve your gift. But I choose this day to receive you. I believe that you are the Son of God, that you came, that you died, and that you rose from the dead, and that you make a way where I know there is no way. And so, Jesus, I ask you a bold, a bold ask today that if this is true, Holy Spirit, that you would baptize me into Jesus. That all that he has made a way for would be applied to my life. Lord, we thank you for those that made that decision today. God, I pray that, that they would continue to walk in the new life that you've made for them today. We receive it by faith. I pray that pray you would just make that so real to them. If you prayed that prayer today, I just want to encourage you right up here on the front, we're going to have some, some altar prayer team at the end of service. We want to give you a Bible, a little book to be able to go through. So make sure you stop up here. And right after service, we'd love to, I'd love to meet you and give you something to, as you leave today. The second one is this. Maybe you're in a place where you're like, I've never been baptized in water. Like, I, I didn't think it was that big of a deal. I thought, I don't know. I, I, I just want you to understand. If, if, if this is your next step, you need to sign up. You can sign up at nlc.today right now or later or talk to somebody in the Welcome Center. We're going to have a, a baptism here in about a month so you got enough time to get over your fear of water or your hair getting wet. Choose to just walk in obedience to this baptism that God has placed before us that we didn't just come up with but that He ordained. He ordained that. And maybe for some of you, you're in a place where you're like, you know what, I just... I just want to ask Jesus to immerse me in the Holy Spirit today. God, I'm open for you to immerse me in your Holy Spirit today. I want to read this scripture to you. And um, it's, it's really kind of a weird scripture in Ephesians 5, verse 18. When I read this, I thought, what, what in the world? Paul writes, do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit. 
And, and a lot of times, you know, if you've been around the Christian world for a long time, we use this verse as like, hey, see, Paul says don't drink. Don't drink wine. Don't drink to excess, whatever. We use this as kind of like a, uh, an alcohol sermon, right? But isn't it interesting, as I was thinking about this, as I was processing, isn't it interesting that Paul likens substance abuse to being filled with the Holy Spirit? Is, that, is it just me? I was like, don't do drugs, be filled with the Holy Spirit. What? I was literally like, Paul, why did you write that? And I got this revelation. This is the revelation. Because everyone is looking for something that's going to give them a supernatural experience. Whew. Let me tell you, people that are seeking a substance or a high are really looking for a supernatural experience. I would even go so far as to say that that thing that draws us to substance abuse is a God-given thing that the Satan has distorted to give us a, a temporary high. That we're seeking after something that, that is really this, this aching on the inside of us to say, I need something. I need something that is going to transcend this reality. So I need to numb it or give me the sense of a high because the reality that I'm dealing with right now, I, I just, I don't even want to do this anymore. I, I, I can't do this anymore. And I would argue that the substance abuse problem in our generation is a, is a cry of the hearts of our generation to say, I need something, something that is outside of, of this natural life that I'm living in. And I want you to realize this. You were always meant to live a supernatural life. Always. It's the ache on the inside of you. This is why Paul says, hey, don't do drugs. Because the thing that you're trying to fill, the thing that you're trying to make up for, the thing that you're trying to satiate is really only satiated when you're filled with the Holy Spirit. You were destined to live a supernatural life. In other words, the Holy Spirit is exactly the thing that you never knew you were looking for. He's the answer to the question you never knew you were asking. And as Jesus is like, I've got more for you. And it's not just so that you can be a good person and try to, you know, cross your T's and dot your I's. He's like, I've got something. I want to immerse you into the Holy Spirit. In other words, I want to give you the mind of Christ. I want to give you the character of Christ. I want to give you the power of Christ so that you're not living out of your own means, out of your own power. But I've got something that is so much better than doing drugs. So much better. So much better than any high. This, this is what Jesus is wanting to immerse us in. I want you to catch this. This is the gift. So can we stop talking about tongues and get all hung up on that? Look at tongues as a benefit to you. It's not a requirement. And here's the thing. Do you want all that Christ has for you? Let's not worry about all these things and these manifestations. Well, what's it going to look like? What's it going to feel like? Do I have to do this? Do I have to? No, you just say, God, Jesus, I pray you would baptize me in your Holy Spirit. The very thing that you said, wait for, the very thing that all throughout the book of Acts you've been downpouring on your people, the very thing that took scared, shy, selfish sinners, people that are just trying to skint by by the skin of their teeth into gifted servants, bold and courageous for you. God, I pray that you, I want more of that. I want more of that. And I don't want to get weird. I just need power in my life. I need it. And this is the baptism of the Holy Spirit. This is the baptism, the answer to the question you ever thought you were asking. The answer that a dying, crying generation is desperately looking for. And when we push back and say, well, I don't need that, really? Really? Because Jesus thinks you do. And this isn't just a simple one-time experience. Well, I was baptized in the Holy Spirit 25, 26 years ago. Look at Acts chapter 2, they're baptized in the Holy Spirit. Acts chapter 4, they're baptized again. Why? Because we leak. We need a fresh infilling of, of the Holy Spirit. Amen? So this is what I want to do. As we, as we enter into this last song, if you're in a place right now, and, and, and I ask you that question, do you want all that God has for you? If you're open and saying, Jesus, I trust you, I trust that you're going to give me a good gift. God, I want more power and the character of Christ flowing through my life. I desperately want that. If that's available to me, why would I not? 
I just want you, no matter where you're at right now, you, you, can, you can put your hands in a, in a place of a posture of, of receiving. If you're, if you're not that too charismatic, you can kind of do this. Just palms up. No one will see. Just palms up. But you just say, God, I'm open. I'm open for receiving it, Jesus. And so, Lord, I pray right now that everyone in the sound of my voice Jesus, I pray that you would baptize them into the Holy Spirit. God, I pray that it would flow all across this place. Jesus, I pray for the very power, the very character of Christ to come to downpour and to, and to stay and rest upon each and every single person in here. And it's not because they've tried hard enough. It's not because they quit smoking. It's not because they, 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 they think that they're finally ready for this this is the answer to the question we never were even thought we were asking. So Jesus, I pray right now for the fresh and filling of the Holy Spirit. Fill them fresh in Jesus' name. God, baptize them into your power and the promise of the gift of the Holy Spirit. Lord, we thank you for your presence here today. I pray you confirm it in signs and wonders. I pray that today would be a, a, a day of, of a new beginning in their Christian walk. I pray that they would have that courage and faith and boldness to walk, at, walk it out. I pray giftings would come to life in Jesus' name. I pray things that they never thought they would ever be able to do would start to happen, not because they're trying harder, but because through the power of your Holy Spirit. I pray for the fresh infilling of your Spirit over our people today. Lord, we thank you, we thank you, we thank you. As we sing this song, I just want you to stay in, an, in, a, in a place of, rece of receiving just making space for him as we sing today, as we worship. You want to come up here on the front? Feel free to come up. You want to, you want to get on, on your knees, whatever that looks like. I just want you to just get in a place where you're receiving the gift of the Holy Spirit. Thank you.